0: I uh, I've been gone a couple the last couple of Saturdays. Uh, my wife and I had the opportunity, <laughs> so we uh, we brought back a few seashells, but I also brought back swimmer's ear. So this ear is feels like it's full of water, and so it. I think I'm talking in a bucket, so uh, if I start yelling or doing something weird, just pray for me, don't leave, stay here, but uh, there was a phrase in that trailer that just really jumped out at me, and I now I realize why God gave me this particular message, and the man asked this question, what does God expect of me, and I want to answer that question tonight, I believe that the church is part of God's ultimate plan of explaining to us what his expectations are of us, and I want to share with you four things, and uh, we're going to start in John 10.10, but then we're going to move into uh, several other passages of scripture, but before I get to that, I just need to share with you some things. These are things, comments that you will never, never hear at church. Hey, it's my turn to sit in the front pew. You'll never hear that in this church. I was so enthralled I never noticed your sermon went 25 minutes overtime. Not going to hear that. You'll never hear me say this. Personally, I find witnessing more enjoyable than golf. I do both, actually. I've decided to give our church the $500 a month I used to send to TV evangelists. (laughs) Pastor Merrill's desperately waiting to hear that one. I volunteer to be the permanent teacher for the junior high school boys class. If you ever make that statement, I want to meet you immediately because you have medical, physical, and mental issues. I love it when we sing choruses I've never heard before. Since we're all here, let's start the service early. (laughs) That will never happen here. I tell other pastors, I say, yeah, we have four Sunday morning services. We have a 9.30 service, a 9.45 service, a 10 10 o'clock service, and a 10.15 service. Because that's when our congregation comes to those different services. And uh, I'm, I'm waiting to hear this one. Pastor Daryl's probably waiting to hear this one. Pastor, we'd like to send you to this Bible seminar in Hawaii. Good luck with that one. So those are things you're never going to hear in church. I've entitled my message tonight, The More Factor. The More Factor. In John 10.10, 10, in, uh, in the NIV, it, uh, it says this as I find it, Jesus is talking and he shares these amazing words with his disciples. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. In the King James, it says that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And I began to think about that word more and what is is necessary for us to have more. If you're going to have more of something, you've got to have something to start with, and then you want more of it. How many of you would like to have more and better health? Anybody? How about more money? Anybody here want more money? There's probably some of you said say, no, Pastor Fred, I'm just, I'm, I have so much money, I just I can't. No, please, no more. No more. <laughs> Rockefeller, probably one of the richest people that ever walked the planet was asked one time, how much money is enough? You know what he said? A little more. A little more. So this idea of more, I began to think about this, and it's like, you know, I began to ask the Lord, now, Lord, what, is, what do you want me to do with this? What should I do with this? And I began to think about church. I began to think, you know, what is it about church that's important? Why, you know, why do, you, why do people go to church? And let me make a statement Right now, I want you to listen carefully to this statement. You should not go to church. You should not go to church. You must go to church. Too many people do a lot of things. You know, they talk about, well, I should do this and I should do that. And I should lose weight. I should, you know, I should give more money. I should get a better job. I should, I should, I should. The problem with should is that it never goes anywhere. I'm sure that there are a lot of people that you run into that you would talk to and say, you know what, why don't you come to church with me? You know You know, I should do that. I really should start doing that. You need to tell them, no, you shouldn't. You should not go to church. You shouldn't go to church. You must go to church. You must become a part of what God is doing in what he calls the church, the local body of Christ, the local body of believers. Why is that important? Why should I do that? Or why must I do that? See, we're so used to saying the word should that I caught myself. We must do this. Why? Number one, the word transformation. Every Christian on the planet of earth needs more transformation. I like to call this the mirror principle. The mirror principle. Turn to Romans chapter 12. And I promise, Pastor Dale I'm only going to use a tiny little verse from this. Just one little verse, that's it. Well, maybe a couple. But it's, it's the mirror principle. It's this idea of transformation. Now, how do you know, how many of you know that you looked good when you walked out of the house tonight to come to church? Some of you knew that? <laughs> okay. How many of you looked in a mirror before you came to church? Some of you must have. You had to. You looked in a mirror. Why did you do that? So you wouldn't scare other people, right? How many of you are thankful that, we, that you didn't come to church looking like you did when you got out of bed this morning? Hallelujah. Amen? Because, yeah, I mean, there, more than one morning I've walked into the bathroom and turned the lights on and went, Whoa! <laughs> It's like, where have I been all night? How can I get that ugly in just a few hours? What happened? I mean, you know, like bedhead and you know, all the other stuff. It's like, what happens? So the mirror is a very valuable instrument. It's very valuable. Well, I want you to understand something about the issue of transformation. We are each other's mirrors within the church. Do you want to find out how you're doing spiritually? Start talking to some brothers and sisters in Christ. Begin to communicate with other people and ask them to honestly say, now, what do you honestly think? How do you think I'm doing? You know, have you noticed anything about me that's kind of, you know, maybe carnal or weird or whatever? I mean, you know, how do you think I'm doing? You know, you sit near me when I'm singing. Do you think I should join the worship team? Oh, God, no. So, you know, so what do you think? You see, we begin to we have to have each other in order to function in this realm of transformation. And look at what Paul says, in uh, as he writes to the Romans, in verse uh, in chapter twelve. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse two: Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Everybody, you know, I hear this a lot. I've heard it all my life with young people, kids, and even adults. I just want to fit in. Why? What do you want to fit into? Why do you want to fit in? And that's our problem. See, we have a tendency to want to fit in in every environment that we find ourselves in. And I was a master at this growing up in high school. I mean, you know, I, if I was hanging around with guys that use bad language, I'd just kind of slip into that. If I was hanging around guys at church, then I was very careful. So I had this ability to kind of, you know, move in the environment that I was in. Now, how many of you have ever done that? Raise your hand. Don't make me come out there, because I will. What do we call that, huh? What do we call that? What's that? What's that wonderful word that? Well, no, it's not. It's called hypocrisy, right? It's being a hypocrite. And I, I hear this excuse from people like, "Well, man, I'm not going to church. It's full of hypocrites." Well, then you need to stop going to the mall. How many of you realize it was hypocrites at the mall? Can't go to the grocery store anymore. That place is full of hypocrites. These people buying diet sodas—that they're hypocrites. They couldn't possibly be drinking a diet soda. They're the size of a small community. You know, you're a hypocrite. You're not coming to church because because there are hypocrites there. You know what? Guess what? Bad news. You're gonna have to leave planet Earth if you want to avoid all hypocrites. Who cares? You see, the issue of transformation is that God, when you get saved, when you honestly get saved, and you accept Christ and his death on the cross as payment for your sin, and your sin is basically unbelief. You just stopped. You did not believe you needed Jesus. You didn't believe you needed a Savior. You didn't believe that there was anything wrong with you until you got to a mirror that told you the truth. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen. There's a there's a funny cartoon I saw years ago about a barber that just butchered the back of this guy's head horribly. Just ripped the hair all. I mean, it was a giant mess. But then when he showed him the he showed him the mirror, it was a picture of this guy with this awesome head of hair. And the guy looked at, oh, that's great, nice job. Don't look at a fake mirror. What you see the Society is such that we go to places where people will tell us what we want to hear. Church needs to tell us the truth. Tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. Hold up a real mirror that will really tell me what's going on. I need to know that. Because you see I don't want to I don't want to pretend my way into heaven. It's not going to happen but you need to get, come face-to-face face with the truth, transformation, the mirror principle. Because, see, transformation, I need to change my priorities. I need to transform maybe my social life. God wants to transform what I do with my money. God wants to transform my language. You might say, well, I don't use bad language anymore. Yeah, but do you, do you, words, do you ever use words like, I can't? I can't do that. I don't believe that. I'm not going to do that. That's probably as bad as some of the bad, some of the foul language that gets used in our society. But see, you know, if I read the Word of God and God says, I want you to, I want you to minister, I want you to share, I want you to do this, that, and the other thing, and you say, oh, I can't do that. Your mouth needs to be transformed. Your, your conversation, your language needs to be transformed. Begin to walk and talk in faith. Understand what God's wanting you to do. It's transformation. You may need to have your habits transformed. There may need some, be some attitudes that need transformation. That's why God puts you into a congregation, into a body of believers that will tell you the truth. And don't give me this, you can't handle the truth. You know, forget that movie. Yes, I can handle the truth. Tell me the truth. What did Jesus say about the truth? It will set you free. The world needs to see some free people walking around. Free people that have been set free by the truth. Transformation is a powerful thing. It can transform someone's life. Real quickly, let me tell you a little story about a kid named Kyle. Kyle had gotten extremely depressed in school and so one Friday he took all of his books and all of his stuff and his supplies, everything, unloaded his entire locker and started heading home. On the way home, a bunch of kids, high school kids, came up to him and started pushing him around and shoved him down, threw his books all over the place, knocked his glasses off and Kyle was hunting around looking for, trying to figure out how to put it all back together again. And a young man came up to him and said, hey man, can I give you a hand here? And so he helped him get his books together and found his glasses and he walked home with him. Lo and behold, they ended up living pretty close to each other. They became fast friends. They finished through, They made their way through high school as good buddies, getting involved in all kinds of stuff. Kyle kind of grew up and got a little filled out, handsome. The girls all liked him. Kyle was also extremely brilliant, and he ended up being the valedictorian of his class, and he got up at his graduation ceremony, and he began to share about his life. And he began to tell the people in the process of the speech, he said, you know what, there was a day in my life that where everything changed. It was a transformation moment. I was on my way home. I had gotten so sick and tired of life, I emptied out my locker. I was going home to kill myself. And I didn't want to leave anything at school for my mom to have to go and pick up later. So I took everything with me. And on my way home, I got jumped by some kids who thought it would be funny to attack me. And this young man, my best buddy over here, he helped me pick my stuff up. Not only did he transform my life that moment, but from that moment on, he became my best friend. And I am here today. I'm headed to medical school because this young man... Transformed my life in a moment. Why do I need to come to church? Because this is where you'll be transformed. Why well, can be transformed watching television? No, you cannot. You're not going to get any feedback from the television. How many of you talk to the television? Men, raise your hands. Come on, make that pass. Come on, you idiot! What's the matter with you? You talk to the television. I know you do. And how often does the television talk back to you? Thank you. Television, church, wonderful thing, great thing. But if you want to be transformed in your life, you want to grow and become the man and woman of God that you need to be, you have got to get into a fellowship with humans so they'll tell you the truth. Those of you that are listening or watching on the streaming, God bless you. Thanks for watching. We're cool but you still have to be in a real human environment, transformation. Number two, celebration. This is the party principle, one of my favorite principles of all life. Hebrews, turn to the book of Hebrews. This is an interesting little passage here. It's called the party principle. Why do I have to go to church? You must go to church because it takes more than one person to party. Have you ever been to a one-person party? They don't exist. I mean, that's impossible. <laughs> that would be bad. If if you, yeah, if you're, if you go to a restaurant by yourself and that's your party, then come to church. We'll, I'll go with you. I'll go to out to eat with almost anybody, almost. But it, we need one another to celebrate. Celebration is part of the process here. Notice in uh, Hebrews chapter ten, uh, beginning of verse number nineteen. Look at what. Uh, The writer here says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us... Hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Do you see that there are a couple of things in there that are worth celebrating? Number one, that we have been cleansed by Christ, the blood of Christ. I am clean. I am free. I have been cleansed. Number two, what day approaching is he talking about? When we bust into heaven and eternal life. I had an interesting day today. I, was, I, was, I watched part of the, uh, the simulcast doing the right thing, and I was challenged mentally. From here, I went to uh, Irving Park Cemetery and uh, had a moment to go by my, uh, the grave side of my mom and dad. And then I stopped by my mother-in-law's grave. Then I went and did a graveside service for a family that had lost, uh, actually, the Kurowskis, the, their, the mother-in-law. Uh, and so in that moment, I was reminded of eternity once again. You know, nobody gets out of here alive Amen? Nobody gets off this planet alive. And then after that, around 3 o'clock, I had a meeting with a couple that's going to get married. And so now all of a sudden I'm thinking about the joy of beginning a life together and, and marriage and all the excitement of that and deciding where the, who's going to stand where and what's this and the music and all of that. So, And then... A few hours after that, here I am preaching. And so the Lord has taken me through like a whole gamut of all kinds of things. But I realized that this morning as I watched those men, I celebrated truth. I was able to celebrate truth. Those guys are amazing. The truth, the absolute truth. We need to celebrate that. And then I'd be real. And then as I left and, and was driving, and I, I celebrated the life of my mom and dad. I celebrated in that moment. It was a little somber, but there was a celebration going on because I real I know where they are. I didn't, lo- I didn't lose my loved ones. I know exactly where they are. I could celebrate family, and I could celebrate eternal life, and I know that it's coming. And then as as I met with that couple, I began to realize I can celebrate my marriage 38 years with the same woman. She's a saint. Linda's going to heaven, that's for sure. And I'm going too, because I won't go anywhere without her. But I celebrated the idea of marriage. And now tonight, as we gather together, we celebrate life. This is real life. What happens inside these walls every week, whether it's a midweek, whether it's whatever activity is going on, this is life. This is where reality sets in. And I want, to, I want you to understand that. Celebration. What, why do we sing worship songs? So that we can remember what we're celebrating. It's not, you know... Oh, thank God I made it through another week. Hallelujah. No, we celebrate him. We celebrate the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We celebrate life. We celebrate our ability to sing. We celebrate our ability to walk. We celebrate our ability to do, just to live life. Celebrate. Become like a little kid once in a while. When was the last time you were actually celebrated? I mean, just you know celebrated you just really went crazy does it, take a, does it take somebody making a touchdown to get you to celebrate does it take a home run by somebody to get you to celebrate last Sunday afternoon I was I went to uh, Trinity my four year old granddaughter I went to her soccer game and uh, it was so funny Because I kind of get into it when I'm watching one of my kids. I know Pastor Darrell probably just sits there quietly when Luke's playing. Never says a word. But Trinity scored a goal. And Pastor Fred very, very, you know, properly went... I mean, people are looking around and going, what is that? What was that? That was my granddaughter. That's what that was. It's time to celebrate. Come on. I mean, you know, you want to go to church? Uh, No, that's boring. Why would I do that? Oh, not my church. We have this crazy guy named Pastor Fred. He's nuts. You got to see him, man. He's completely crazy, and I don't mind that reputation. God help us! It's time to celebrate. You know, the day that you come dragging in, you know, just crawling in on on your hands and knees and say, "God, I need help. Somebody help me." You know, I'll celebrate that you made it in here. Celebration—it's a part of who we are. You can't do this by yourself. You got to have somebody else to celebrate with. Let people know. Years ago, we did testimony times. Some of them were weird as all get out, but a lot of them were just powerful times of celebrations of what God has done. Celebrate. Celebrate. God answers a prayer for you. Go out on your front porch and go, God, thanks for that. That was awesome. Go! You know, I don't care what you do. Celebrate. Celebrate. Celebrate! Are you? Did you hear that? Celebrate! Number three, education. The church. I must go to church because I must be somewhere where I can be transformed. I can go through the transformation process. People will tell me the truth. Number two, I need to be someplace where I can celebrate. You can't jump up. You know. You can't be doing crazy things in your offices and your places of work. But when you come to church, it's okay to celebrate. You can celebrate Christianity. You can celebrate the goodness of God. You can celebrate the reality of Christ here. The learning principle, 2 Timothy, chapter 3. Turn there, if you would, please. Second Timothy, there he is. Second Timothy, chapter three, and verse fourteen. Looks what he says. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise. For salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and, trans- and training rather in righteousness. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Some pe- I've heard people say, you know what, I can study at home. No, you can't. Well, yes, I can. No, you can't. We need to be in an environment where there are men and women that have spent time and energy to study and to understand and that they can then begin to expound and present and teach the word of God. I must come to church to learn. I must learn here. Some of say, well, no, and they're going to argue about it, and fine, go ahead, argue all you want. Jesus took three years to teach his disciples, and then he continued to tell them And they wrote, and they've provided for us the word of God. The learning principle is essential. And why is it essential? Look what he says about the Scripture in verse 16. It's God-breathed useful for, number one, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. What's the ultimate goal here? For us to walk and function in righteousness. That's what this is all about. So that you can do, like we heard this morning... You can do the right thing. Let me give you a very practical example of that. Yesterday, I was at the, at Walmart and I had to buy some groceries and stuff and and uh, i was I went ended up going through the self checkout, which I don't always like to do. It's too complicated. but anyway, I was in the self checkout, and uh, a lady that I know that works there came and began to help me, and so between the two of us we were trying to fly through all this stuff and and I get out to my car, and I realize that a package of socks that I had purchased, I didn't pay for them. So now I have a moral dilemma. I look at this package of socks, I think it's, what, like five bucks. Does Walmart need my five dollars? No. Walmart does not need my five dollars. Do I need my five dollars? Yes. And I, and I, so God and I have a discussion. So God, what do you think I should do? Uh, duh. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, too. But are you sure? I mean, God, you know, I know I've been ripped off by Walmart somewhere down the road I've been, oh, I know I've been overcharged. I know, I, you know, I'm sure they've made a mistake, and I'm, you know, it's, I mean, I could just keep these, uh, fine, fine, all right, fine. So I take them back into the store, and I get stopped by the, you know, Walmart greeter. Do you have a return? Uh, no, not exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I discovered that I didn't pay for these. They're not on the receipt, so I need to go pay for them. And the lady is shocked. <laughs> she goes, "Wow, you're really honest." <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, you know, because you know what, I am. I should let the whole world know. Because uh, then I'd probably get arrested for shoplifting before I paid for them. But so I, you know, so I went back to the self checkout and you know checked them out and. And it was like, you know, I just I felt so much better. Why? Because I have grown up in a place where they teach you to do the right thing. Church will teach you to do the right thing. I must be a part of a fellowship of church, of, of believers, because I need to learn to do the right thing Now I could embarrass you and say now how many of you could honestly say you would take the socks back in and pay for them I'm not going to ask you that I'll let God, you and God discuss that but this idea of learning the learning principle, education I need to know that we need to come to grips with what that means do I know the word of God, do I understand it do I put it into practice have I allowed it to teach me to correct me, to rebuke me, and to train me in doing the right thing, righteousness. The fourth thing, real quick as we wrap up here, it's called participation. This this is the part where we begin to talk about the duplication principle, where we begin to replicate and duplicate ourselves in the lives of other people. And we do that through participation. Do you realize that you could come to church every day or every weekend, every Sunday, all of your life long? God could transform you. God could allow you and help you to celebrate. You know, you'd learn the worship songs and you'd be celebrating and you could wave at some people and so on and so forth. And you'd learn, you'd learn the Word of God, you'd be educated. But you see, until you take that step out of your comfort zone into the realm of participation where you begin to mingle with other people, you begin to work side by side with other people, you're not going to find out what it means to live this Christian life. It's about participation. How do I know that? Because in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus picks his disciples and he tells them he says follow me and I will make you fishers of men i want you to come with me work with me live with me function with me participate with me and learn what it means to become a person of god why did jesus come to this planet to teach us how and what it means to participate with God in this whole process of christianity it's what church is all about church is about participation it's about getting involved paul said in 1 corinthians follow my example as i follow the example of christ jesus got jesus got involved right jesus how many of you understand tonight that jesus was not a monk he did not lock himself in a room somewhere, sit there for three years, come out and go, I am the Savior of the world, where's the cross? No, he spent his entire life involved in the lives of other people. Amen? Right? Now my question is for you, is, uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I want you to turn to your bulletins now, because I want to look at something, I want to show you something. Tomorrow night we are having something called community groups picnics. And they're in a variety of locations. And you might say, well Pastor Fred, I'm already busy. How busy are you? How important is it for you to get involved with somebody else's life? I just again, I I I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, throw a guilt trip out or anything like that. What I'm trying to do is is share with you a very powerful principle. I've been in the church 40-plus years. I've been involved in more things than you could shake a stick at. I've been involved in creating the world's largest caramel, or the world's largest uh, popcorn ball. What a nightmare that was. I've chased porta-potties in the middle of a flood. I've dressed up in in a lady's dress. And did did a skit. I've danced like a crazy sailor man. I have. I mean, I have done more junk in the name of the church, but I was participating. Amen. And and most of you say, "Well, I'd never do that." Well, why not? Somebody would laugh at me. Hey. Hey. If that's your only excuse, I got opportunities for you that you have no idea about. But these picnics, why do we do these? Well, because Pastor Dell and I and Pastor Merrill and the staff, we sit around thinking up ways to kill a Sunday night. There's got to be something we could schedule. Let's do something. Let's schedule something so that when the people don't come, we can yell at them. What? We do this for you, for you. The picnics are coming. You'll uh, in the on the red sheet. Let's see what else can I get involved in? Life of Christ class on a Thursday night. The education part. I want to encourage you. Beyond, work. we need to fill this sanctuary. Everybody that attends Christian life needs to be here to find out to learn about the life of Christ. How many of you consider yourselves followers of Christ? How many of you realize that that might be helpful if you knew what Christ actually was all about if you're going to follow him? Thank you. Life of Christ class is coming. This courageous movie, men, if you're not signed up for this, you will be arrested. Mark Bechtold will come and arrest you, drag you out of your house, and cause all kinds of embarrassment for you and your family. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I don't think he's going to do that. But it's an opportunity, men, to participate in something that is bigger than yourself. And that's what I'm talking about. Getting involved in something greater than yourself. Men's Minute, we have a, a Bible study on Wednesday nights um, with Chris Alman. Women's Ministry Bible Studies. These are here. Our young people, notice the Bible blog, I hope you've read that. Fuel, an opportunity for our 6th through 10th graders. How many of you realize they desperately need God? In the world they live in, they desperately need God. They need to know as much about God as they can. The 360 group for that uh, young adult age, that is going to be awesome because that group right there will build this church. That group will build a church. They will bring their friends in by the thousands and can build our church. And so... Pray for those kinds of ministries and those kinds of things. Now, I want you to look at this green thing. Take a look at this green thing Christian Life Church's Bowlathon. I think it's been, I don't know, 2004 might have been the big one. Yeah. Seven years ago, um, we had a bowlathon. We took over an entire bowling alley, 32 lanes, 150 bowlers we raised fifteen thousand dollars we took over the entire place we did another one shortly after that it was not quite that big but for whatever reason God said do another one and I'm not doing this by myself so I need your help I'm giving you an opportunity to participate and here's how this works it'll cost you ten dollars to bowl for two hours we're going over to Brunswick Zone On a Sunday afternoon, right after church from 12 to 2, we're going to uh, take over the bowling alley. Cosmic Bowl. You're going to be able to see people in some of the weirdest outfits you can imagine. Because there are going to be prizes for the best dress. There's going to be prizes for the top bowler, prizes for the top team, prizes for the worst bowler, prize for the worst team scores. We're going to have all the bumpers up. So everybody gets to bumper bowl. And how old do you have to be? Old enough to hold a bowling ball. That's all it, that's all it takes. Kids, there are pictures outside of some of the kids that were there the last time. We raised $15,000 that in that one Sunday afternoon. My goal is to raise $10,000 so that we can send Pastor Darrell to Hawaii. No, I'm kidding. That's not true. Um, he might he'd probably like that, but... Uh, actually, we need to replace our basketball hoops in the gym. That's going to be several thousand dollars. Uh, Jody Bechtold is running a ministry, a clothing pantry, for uh, young mothers and families and so on, and that needs funding. And so for those two major projects, we want to do this as a church family, just have a big party, in essence. We're going to celebrate. Some of you are going to discover that you can bowl. That will be a transformation. Uh, We'll teach you how to bowl if we need to do that, education. But the main thing is celebration as a family and participation. How do you need to do this? I want you to take that bulletin home with you, and I want you to begin to think about and pray about people that could help you raise $100. For some of you, you might be able to just write a check, and that's awesome. That's fine. That's fine. For others, you may want to involve some other people. But I'm going to ask you, take a step of faith, get involved, Put your name on the list. Say, I don't like to bowl. Well, for this one Sunday, I'm going to ask you to like to bowl. I'm going to, I, it would, I would love to be able to tell the bowling alley, look, 20 lanes is not enough. I've reserved 20 lanes right now. I would love to be able to go to them and say, you know what, I'm going to need all 32 lanes. I'm going to take over the entire bowling alley. We're going to turn this place into Christian Life Bowl and raise money to bless hundreds of people to bless teenagers, to bless young families that are struggling and need clothing, to have them come in here and take whatever they need and whatever they want and not charge them a dime for it. That's what I'm talking about, getting involved. How many, will you help me? Will you, Will you? Will, do you want to, let's just celebrate because the Sunday after that I can hardly wait to be able to stand and say, you know what, our goal was 10,000, we, we sur- superseded that. I'm asking each individual to raise $100 and then bring 10 bucks for bowling. And included in the 10 bucks is your bowling shoes, the use of a bowling ball, a pizza, and uh, some pop to drink. It's going to be a great celebration. And I want you to think about it, take this home with you, pray about it, and ask God, now God, where am I going to raise $100? Let God figure it out for you. When we did this uh, several years ago, I actually, I went up to a restaurant, the owner of a restaurant where I was eating breakfast. And I walked up and said, you know what? We're trying to raise some, some money for missions and for some, a project at church. Um, I need to raise $100, can you help me out? He handed me a $100 bill. That's how fast that went. So I just started going to every restaurant, no, I'm kidding. Um, but I just began to share, share the need and share the vision. I got excited about it. And uh, Sharon and I got into a con. How, what did we end up raising between the two of us? Like $2,500? Yeah, it was well over $2,000. Why? Because we got excited about doing something unusual out of the ordinary and celebrating God and his goodness and just helping somebody else. Participation. We better pray or I'll never stop. Bow your heads with me, would you? Father, thank you for reminding me once again what church is all about. It's not about sitting in a pew. It's not about enduring some sermon. It's not about singing a few songs. It's about transformation. Coming somewhere where they'll tell me the truth. Father, it's about celebrating. I'm free. I'm saved. I've got my names in the Lamb's book of life. I'm going to heaven. Father, it's about learning, learning about disciples and apostles and and prophets and teachers and learning history and learning about moral values and learning and, and understanding. And God, ultimately, it's about participation. Father, help us never stop working together to see this thing transform the world. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Pastor Fred. What a good word tonight and uh, good reminders. And I want us to all be involved because I believe God has great things for our life. God wants to challenge us. He wants us to grow. And God has great things for us to do in this world not only as individuals, but uh, together um, as a family here at Christian Life. And so I'm so glad you're a part of our family. And I want you to be a part of the family of God. If you've never, uh, if you're saying, boy, I want to be a part of something like that, and and maybe you've never been a part of that, maybe you're listening right now, or I just want to invite you just to give your heart to Jesus Christ. Just surrender your life to him and uh, and just say, I want to be a part of your family, God. Forgive my sins. And and he'll come into your life. If, if you do that, There's a we have a packet down front with a Bible and some other stuff for you. But we want you to be a part of a family. You're not meant to be all alone in this world. Um, you need the family of God. Would you stand for the blessing of the Lord? And then let's just live out what Pastor Fred just preached by going out to the lobby and uh, signing up, whether it be for a picnic or for the men's uh, movie night or the class and, and fellowship with one another as well. But let's uh, receive the blessing of the Lord tonight. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. God, we thank you for that blessing that rests upon each one of us as your child, that rests upon your church, God. Lord, I thank you for the life that you've given us together, and Lord, we celebrate that tonight. And uh, God, we pray that you would be with us as we go, keeping us safe, keeping us strong, until we can gather together again as the church and celebrate you. We love you, God, tonight as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.